Well, Lord, thank you this morning. We don't tear the house down here, trying to get everything situated. Everybody good? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, you know, um, everybody likes to be strong, right? You like to feel strong. You know, um, it's sort of humiliating feeling weak, but actually that song that Andy wrote, Not In My Strength But My Weakness, really is the the way the Lord likes it. He likes us to be weak. And I think we're always looking for something to be strong uh, because we sort of like to be strong. Um, but um, that's not the way the spiritual realm works. It works opposite. Um, I, uh, You can put me up there, Brian. Um, I just want to share this. Um, when I was early in my Christian life, uh, I had these opinions about certain biblical characters and one of my opinions was about the apostle Paul and I, I felt like Paul was a just reading all his his stuff I thought man this guy's got to be difficult a difficult would be a difficult person to be around because he was extremely you know brilliant in the natural sense but he was also very anointed and you know you read the stuff he wrote it was like good gracious you know <laughs> that's why you feel reading it and um but I, over the, and especially over the last year, I, I feel like the Lord started helping me to see beyond the words uh, and just the doctrine and theology that He had, and really starting to see Paul's heart. And if you notice the way he his letters that he wrote are, many times Paul would write something, and then he would almost like go off on this divine rabbit trail, like it was off the subject, and he might spend ten verses on this what I call divine rabbit trail, and then he would sort of come back to what he was talking about. And really, you know, most of those divine rabbit trails were about the Lord himself, about the resurrection of Christ or something that, that when Paul would just mention it briefly, he would just, you know, his heart, he just loved the Lord so much. That's what I see in Paul. That man had a passion for the Lord that was incredible. And any time he began to speak about Christ himself, he would get on these rabbit trails. They weren't really rabbit trails because, of course, we get some of our greatest theology and doctrine in the Bible or sort of the, the love. It, but it came out of love. It didn't come out of him trying to be some brilliant guy or some, you know, going to make this profound theological statement about the resurrection of Christ or, or things like that. It, it all came out of him talking to people, sending people letters and discussing things with them, and then he would, you know, like mention the humility of Christ and just sort of go off on this thing about, you know, how Christ emptied himself. And, and it was because Paul had such a love for the Lord. And, you know, he's, his greatest attribute, he said about himself, was that he would glory in his weakness, not in his strength. And that's really, um, you know, so when you're reading... When you're reading the Bible, when you're reading stuff that Paul wrote, if you can, I'm just giving you some hints on how to read the Bible and get more out of it. This is a hint number one this morning. You want to get more out of reading the Bible. When you read Paul, pay attention of what he's saying. Pay attention, and, and when he, you see him go off on these rabbit trails, you, that is a love trail. That's a passion trail. And I think God wants to give us all that kind of love and passion for the Lord. And I would just, just have been so blessed begin to see that and see in Paul's heart. It has really helped me to understand the Scriptures more, understand what God was really trying to communicate uh, through, through Paul. Amen? 
So that was just a you know hint for you when you're reading the Bible. I hope you'll get that, and if you don't, then I'll tell you another hint later. Um, so thank you, Lord. I'm going to read these verses, Philippians 2, 25 through 30, which happen to be up there. And I hope you can see well enough. If you can't, you can just listen or open your Bible, and you can look at it real close. It said, Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he has longed for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him more eagerly that when you see him again you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem because for the work of Christ he came close to death not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service towards me. Um, You know, I talked to you last week uh, about the need... For, for to be a healthy Christian, to be a true disciple of the Lord, is you need those three things up there I have underlined. You need to be a brother or a sister. You need to be part of a family, God's family. And you need to see yourself as being a family member. And also you need to see yourself as being a worker in the kingdom of God, that God has a calling on your life, specific gifts and callings, talents that he's given us, and that he really has an expectation for you to be working in his kingdom. Uh, and then also that you need to be a fellow soldier. And, and I mentioned to you how soldiers, you know, uh, that, that speaks of mission. That soldiers are always, you know, that's what they're out there. They have a mission in life. They have a mission that God's given them. And therefore they're part of something greater than themselves. And then I went on and began to talk to you about, uh, I was planning on, you know, like talking to you about, like last week, family gone bad is really what I talked about. How family, how fellowship can, can become a negative thing if it's out of balance in your life and there's things that happen and I begin to, to share with you how family uh, if, if we get too, too family, we can become uh, ingrown and we can become um, you know, exclusive I think that's the word I use, exclusive in our our thinking, exclusive in the way we act. We begin to only allow other people into the family if they meet our unspoken, unwritten standards. And, you know, that becomes very unhealthy. And then after a season of time, we see how that the fruit in that kind of church or that kind of family, that kind of thing becomes very perverted. It becomes bad. And it always ends in a negative, negative thing. And um, that's because you're out of balance in that area of your life. Um, and I gave you some examples out of the Bible. The, the one, Acts 8.1, it says, uh, At that time a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And my point, you know, from the Bible, that the church at Jerusalem became unhealthy because it became too exclusive. It you know, to be a part of that church at that time, you had to be a, a you had to be Jewish, and um, and the Lord, you know, just didn't really appreciate that because there was other non-Jewish people that He would wanted to reach and touch and bring into His kingdom, and so He had to do take some drastic measures 
to put an end to this exclusive attitude of the church. And so basically what he did is he just sent persecution in the church, which scattered the church, and which God used to bring the gospel to, you know, to Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so the church grew, and the church brought in all the other people, and, and you know, we we're sort of a result of that, that kind of thing. Um, so we don't want to have an ingrown mentality towards family. That's family unhealthy. But what I want to talk to you today is, you know, sort of like the other side of the coin on the other hand, so to speak, about the real need of family and what can happen when, when family um, is, you know, you're, you don't have that, okay, when you don't have family. Okay, so I talked to you last week about when, it's, when family's gone too far, when family's not gone far enough. That's what I want to want to say to you, and I believe it'll believe it'll really speak to you. Um, I had this opportunity recently to to speak to some a group of people, and and I really didn't know what I was supposed to say to them. You know, lots of times when somebody asks you to do something like that, immediately or when you once you pray about it a little bit, you feel like God speaks something to your heart to say to them. But He really didn't. So I knew the Lord wanted me to go to where they were at and walk into that situation and I felt God would speak to me then and I would know what to what to say to them. So I did and I got there and I was, you know, I was just trying to read the spiritual climate there. That's what I was trying to do, is like what is the spiritual climate here? What what's really going on? I kept over and over just these Philippians started coming to me. Philippians, what you know, what is Philippians, Lord? I mean, you know, most people, when you think about Philippians, there's a famous refrigerator verse in Philippians. is my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in heaven. That's, that's a famous Philippian verse. You know, when, when I think of Ephesians, I really have a real great concept of what Ephesians is, what God's trying to communicate in the, the book of Ephesians. You know, it's like, you know, the, the, the church of Christ, you know, the church of the body, you know, the body of Christ, the or a Colossians, the same thing. You know, it's like I got this big view of those books. But I realized with Philippians, I didn't really have that kind of view of Philippians. I had more of the, the detailed view of Philippians. And I was struggling with what God was trying to, trying to show me out of Philippians because I really didn't have the view of what was the heart that God wanted to communicate in that book to people. When he, why, did, why was that book written? What was, what was the Lord trying to say to these people and, you know, Philippi. And so because I just had this, what I call too much of a detail, you know, I couldn't see the forest for the trees attitude towards that book, it, I really struggled really hearing, hearing the Lord. But, you know, and just, you know, thinking about the book as overall, I, the Lord began to speak to me about it. And, and this, is, this is what he, he, he led me to, the verses uh, that sort of is the heart of this book. It says, Therefore, my beloved and long for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore, implore Udia and implore Cynthia. I guess that's the way you say their names. If it's not, you know, Lord bless you guys. To be of the same mind in the Lord. To be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion speaking to the church there, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are, are in the book of life. So um, the book of Philippians is about, this is what it's about, is how to have a healthy 
family. That's what it's about. That's what Paul's addressing here. Because you see, in this book, there had began to be division in the book, in, in that church there. And what Paul was doing, and I'll tell you, you, it doesn't jump out at you when you read the whole book. If you read all four, it does, that is not what the apparent thing that jumps at. Because Paul was a wise guy, he was a smart guy, he was a very clever person in the way he dealt with people, he knew how to put these things in here and address a problem and address an issue that was going on really without the people necessarily feeling like he's not really getting after them. Because it's all this, this stuff is really the very heart of the book, this issue of disunity, this issue of division in the, in the church. And what Paul was trying to do was address these people and say, you know, you're growing apart. You're growing apart as a family, and it's going to hurt you. That's really what he was trying to do. There's this, these gaps in between you. Are you all with me? Um, and I think, you know, if you think about it, disunity really does destroy families. Divorce is disunity in the natural. Parents, you know, and children, the division that becomes between parents and children is that time where they, they, there's, you know, different views, different perspectives. That's destructive for a family. Um, churches, I mean, are world famous for having division and, and splits. And, you know, this church was headed down a road. They had some issues there, you see. And suddenly, you know, so we're not... So we see that if, if we allow these things, these things can become unhealthy to us. If we don't really have proper family relationships, if you, if you and your family, your personal natural family, if there's division, uh, you know, some serious division that starts going on between a husband and wife, it is going to affect you in every area of your life. You're going to go to work with a heavy heart, distracted by that, affect your work. You know, if you have a serious division with your child, a major division with a child, that weighs on you. You're concerned about it. You think about it. You're distracted by it. It drains your energy. It pulls you down. And so we see that there's this great need in the body of Christ today to have right relationships with each other. Right relationships. Not where we're of the same mind, where there's not division and fights and arguments between the people of God. And that's what Paul was trying to do. He was saying, you can't do this. Um... Let's read this, Philippians 2, 1 through 7. And I underlined some things that, you know, that you can, that'll jump out to you. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. That was what he was saying. Y'all need to be like-minded. Having the same love, same love. Have the same kind of love. Don't one of you be cold in love and another be you know, hot in love. Don't one of you be loving this and the other one be loving that. You're saying have the same love. Be of one accord. Be of one accord. Of one mind. Now these are simple things that we read in the Bible, but they're profound things addressing a profound issue that could destroy the work of God. Then he uses this little word here called Let. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. And let is like, is a choice word. You have to make a choice to let something happen or not let something happen. But in lowliness of mind, lowliness of mind, in other words, in your mind, don't think of yourself too high. Now, this is simple stuff here, but this is real stuff. You can apply it in the church. You can apply it in the work realm. You can apply it in your friendships. You can apply it with your family. Apply it wherever it fits to you this morning. 
but in lowliness of mind, let, there goes the word let, each esteem others better than himself. That's, that's clear, clear, clearly what he's saying. Then he uses that little word again. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. You know, one thing I've tried to help people with um, that want to be preachers and stuff is like, or to have some revelation from God, is finding a way to communicate that where people can receive it. I know a man who is very passionate about what he believes. And I'm not going to say he's 100% right in what he believes, but there's a lot of truth in what he believes. Enough truth in it that really people need to hear something. But he's so dogged mean about it when he shares it. He's so rough about it that when people see him coming, they're like this because they feel like he's going to saw him to pieces over something that's really, he doesn't need to. And I've told him over and over, do you really believe what you got is really real and other people need it? Yes. Then find a way of saying it without hurting people. Find a way of saying it without hurting because you're turning people off so you are throwing away the very thing that God's given you. Nobody's going to hear it. Nobody's going to listen to it. The Holy Spirit doesn't even have a chance to prick their heart because they're running so hard from you. And I think really that's really the one of the things we, when it says esteem others better than himself is that that's a practical way of doing it. Anything that God has given you that's worth something, you need to find a way of giving it to other people in a way that they can receive it. You can't just say, well, this is what I got and, you know, they, can just, you know, they just need to get it, you know. It doesn't work that way. You know, and we need to really see it. In other words, we can't go to the lost and just take the Bible and beat the fool out of them with it. They're not going to only be beat by that. They don't need to be beaten. They're beaten already. That is not the way Jesus did it, you know. One of the things that we find in the Bible, Jesus was headed to Jerusalem to be crucified. He went through Samaria, and they wouldn't receive Jesus, it says. The, the disciples says, Well, Lord, do you want us to bring fire down on them like Elijah did, Lord? I mean, Elijah did, so we should be able to do it. In other words, the same attitude of harshness and hardness. And Jesus said, You don't know what spirit you're of. I didn't come to destroy lives. I came to save lives. And we tend to get like that as Christians many times. There's people like that. So we need to really understand the seeming others better than themselves. Then he goes and uses that word, little word uh, again, let... Uh, let this mind, verse 5, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of, of a bondservant, and coming in, in the likeness of men. And then there's one of those divine rabbit trails. I didn't put the rest of it. Paul really, man, he thought, man, that's the Lord. That's what he did for us. He humbled himself. He came and he sort of went off on that and sort of left the subject of trying to say to them, listen, this is what you've got to do to have a healthy family. If you don't want divisions, you need to serve one another. You need to love one another. You need to consider one another. Sounds, you know, pretty simple, simplistic. Sounds pretty ABC-ish, but it's really not. Okay, let's look at, uh, I'm jumped down sort of off his rabbit trail went on there. It's, it's really good, but I don't want to you know, spend a lot of time on his rabbit trail right now. He goes on and gives some more practical instructions. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Without complaining. Now, I'm going to ask you this morning about the disputes that we have in our families, in your family, between a husband and a wife, father, son. 
mother dollar. You know, the church, full of disputes. It's wrong. That's what he was saying. Don't do that. Don't complain and don't fight. Flat simple. That or so that you may become blameless and harmless. See, that's the way God wants us to be. He wants us to be harmless. He wants us to be blameless. Harmless means we're not hurting other people. The church should not be a place where people get hurt. Our family should not be a place where our children get hurt. How many children grow up in homes, well-meaning parents, to get hurt by their parents, trying to do them right, but they wind up hurt over something their parents done to them, said to them, treated them? It's just not the way the Lord wants us to be. Harm, you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. That's the world among whom, whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Now, this is very important. Paul was saying, because I have not run in vain or labored in vain, he was saying this, listen, these things that you're doing, this division, these arguments, these fights are fixing to call. Everything I have done is going to be in vain if you don't stop them. Everything. You've got to not do this or it is going to be what I've poured into you, what I have sowed into you. And listen, listen, I want to remind you of the church at the Macedonian, the Philippians, not Filipino, (laughs) the Philippian church. They were a very prized people of Paul. If you go and study the whole book, Paul commends them saying, listen, you were the only people who supported me. You were the only church that gave into my ministry. None of these other people did it. You did it. He loved these people. They sent them this guy, Epaphroditus, one of their very own to Paul. So these people were highly esteemed in Paul's life. He loved them. But here he's saying, listen, all that I've done, all this love you've had for me, all that I've poured into you, we're fixing to lose it. It's fixing to be in vain because you're mad. You're angry. There's disputes among you. There's divisions among you. And it's going to cause... Jesus himself said, a house divided against itself will not stand. No family will stand. No church will stand. Ultimately, no business in the natural realm will stand when there's real true division. And what Paul was trying to address is you are in danger of falling. You are in danger. And I think the church in America is in that danger, not that we're going to ultimately fall because God will raise us up. We have stumbled, though, and much of our issues are over arguments, disagreements, and division. And here we are here. Clear, clearly, the Bible's warning us of, this, of these things. And uh, one thing he said here, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Among whom, and you see, this is what it is. If you can't get your family right, your, your mission in the world, your labor in Christ is going to be affected. It's going to be hurt. So the very thing that you feel like God's called you to because you don't have right relationships with people is going to be disabled. Now here's a great example of that I wanted to give you this morning. It's, uh, and I don't have it up here, but it's out of Numbers 20. And it was with Moses. Moses, the Lord spoke to Moses one time, and you know they were thirsty and they were dry and they needed water. And the Lord said, speak to that rock, uh, or hit that rock is what he told him, and water will come out of it. So Moses hit the rock and water came out, and everybody drank water, and it was a great day. But down the road, there was another situation, same circumstances. And the Lord said, um, speak to that rock, and water will come out of it. Moses was so mad 
at everybody. He, he took and hit the rock two times, and water came out. Everybody got water, but the Lord was, was saying, Moses, you have you are messed up, man. You've blown it. You're not going into the promised land over this deal because you were angry. Must we contend with you rebels? And if you, you know, you know that that rock is Christ. I mean, that's a, a good revelation. Of it, you know, but when we strike, if we feel like we're, if we're striking anybody in the body of Christ, we're striking Christ. In, in our anger, if we are releasing out those things, um, we are actually releasing that anger towards the Lord Himself. Now, and that will disqualify you from whatever God's called you to do. He'll just say, well, you're not going. Period. And, you know, <laughs> forget it. Um, now, I, it's interesting that from the Jewish tradition, this is what they said. They said, this is what the Jewish uh, rabbi said. They said, Moses' problem wasn't that he struck the rock. That really wasn't what got him in trouble with God. What got him in trouble with God is was he was mad at the people. He was angry with the people. And because he was angry, he hit the rock. And because he hit the rock, he, he uh, lost his ability to go in the promise. And I wanted to read this thing that I got here. It's pretty, pretty interesting. Um, it says, The lapse in Moses' leadership came not with the hitting of the, of the stone, but rather with his anger at the people. Moses was a spiritual giant who carried his people through the wilderness. With their entry into the land of Israel, the people were going to be confronted with, with a new challenge. Uh, until that day, their substance and survival were provided through obvious spiritual means. But in the land of Israel, they had other challenges. You know, it was going to be more of a natural. And Moses, there was a transition. What they were saying, there was a transition going on there. And Moses himself couldn't make that transition. So he was messed up. He was angry. And he, he hit the rock. And one of their writings is this, Anyone who is angry, if he is a wise man, his wisdom will leave him. If he is a prophecy, if he is a prophet, his prophecy will leave him. That's not the Bible. That's Jewish writing. But there's a lot of wisdom in that. If we strike out at each other in anger, we, we subject ourselves to lose our wisdom. I really believe that. We subject or make our wisdom ineffective. Because if you have a lot of wisdom for me, and I see you coming, and I feel like you're going to blister my hide, I'm not going to hear it. <laughs> I'm getting out of the way. I'm walking on eggshells, being careful of what you're saying, what you're doing. Do you hear what I'm saying? Now, let's get real. This stuff goes on in the church, goes on in families, goes on in business all the time. It really does. And really what God is calling us to do, He's calling us not to. Don't do that. It's clear. It's very clear that He's calling us not to do that. Are you all with me this morning? Um, now let's read one last one. Philippians 4, verse 4 through 9. Um, this is sort of, you know, some pr more practical things that, that Paul gives out of the book of Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So that's, you know, double, double uh, instructions, rejoice. You know, so that's pure and simple. We've got to do that. Listen to this. Let your gentleness, let your gentleness be known to all men. Not, don't let your strength, you know, how good you are, your anger, your frustration. That's not, and remember the word let. You have to allow something else to come out. And of course, it's the grace of God. It's the life of Christ that you have to allow to come out. 
But that's how we're going to have peace in our families. That's how we're going to have peace um, in the church. It's right there. Let your gentleness be known. In other words, treat people gently. Don't, Don't treat them harshly. Don't be rough with them. Don't be difficult with them. And that right there will heal a lot of relationships that need to be healed. Well, I know this in my family. I got three kids. Every one of them reacted to different. You know, when I would get angry with me, they would they would all reacted differently. You know, uh, my oldest son. This is what he would do if I would get angry. He would just turn away from me. That's what he would do. Literally, physically, he would just turn away from me. My daughter, she'd go toe to toe with me. I fuss at her. She'd start fussing right back. Last argument I got in here was one day she ran some copies for me. I said, Grace, look at these copies. They didn't copy. I, what is wrong with you? Dad, what is wrong with you jumping on me about these copies? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I knew. But my youngest son's completely different. I jump all over him. He wouldn't say a word. If I jumped hard enough, he'd walk off. But really, every time I would jump on him, I'd lose him. I lost my influence in his life. I lost my ability to appeal to him. So we see different people respond in different ways. You understand what I'm saying? To being treated roughly. Some some will just turn away from you. They may not turn away from you physically, but in their heart they may have turned away from you. Some will fight back, man. They'll go to war with you. You want to fight me? I'll fight you. So I told my brother-in-law, basically, that Sunday I shared with you, when he jumped all over me, basically I was... You know, getting right down there. If you're going to fuss at me, I'm going to fuss back. You know? And me and Grace are a lot like, you know, my daughter. And then some are like Philip. Their heart shuts off from you. And anything you feel like you could say to them, you couldn't say to them. And you lost them at that moment. You know, I found out with him the only way I could really speak into his life is really appeal to him and talk to him in a gentle way, in a loving way. And that's why we need to be treating people. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. In other words, a lot of us say, well, the Lord's coming back soon. That's true, but no, the Lord is right here watching this. The Lord's close by. He's seeing what's happening. Then he goes on, and he's talking in this context now, okay? And we use this in other ways, and I think the other ways we use it is wonderful. But he says, be anxious for nothing. In other words, when we're in these difficult situations, he's, he's saying, don't be anxious about them. Don't be anxious about those relationships that are strained right now. Don't be anxious. Now. But in everything by prayer and supplication. In other words, he says, you, the way you deal with hard relational issues, which we have to deal with. See, he's giving us practical answers how to deal with hard relational issues. He says, don't really be anxious about it, but you go to God and you pray to God. You talk to God about it. If you're enraged at somebody and mad at somebody, the best not to fight. Go to God and talk to God about it. Pray for that person. You know, the supplication. But be thankful when you're doing it. Don't go to God with a complaint. That's what he's saying. Don't go to God mad at God. Don't go to God whining and carrying on, but go to God thankful. Lord, I've got this difficult situation with my child. Lord, please help me. I'm so upset with them. Lord, I really, at the same time, Lord, I don't want to be a whiner and a complainer because I'm thankful I got that child. I'm thankful that they're alive today. I'm thankful that we're close enough to have issues. May we not have issues. You hear what I'm saying to you? 
And the same thing in the body of Christ. That person makes me mad, Lord. But Lord, they, you love them. You care about them. I thank you for that person. Somehow you've allowed that person in my life to teach me things. To bring out the darkness that's trying to get on me. You, you hear what I'm saying to you? And if we would have that, because that was Paul's advice to people suffering those things, but we don't do it, I don't think. Let your request be known to God. And then he says the peace of God because you see the opposite of the conflict is peace. He's saying that's how you get peace. Do you want peace in your relational issues? Do this. That's what he was saying. Do that. It's, it's, it's the Word. The peace which surpasses all understanding. The, it'll surpass all your concepts, all your thoughts, all the circumstances that's going on in your life. This peace will come on you and it will guard you. It will protect you. It will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In other words, it will put a shield around you that when the person who's hurting you or messing you up and you're, or that you want to go hurt and mess up, this shield will protect you from doing it. It will keep you out of trouble. That's what it will do for you. That's the grace of God right there. That's a very clear example of God's grace. As we come to Him, instead of lashing back, it's presenting gentleness, presenting love, and going to God, Lord, I messed up. It was all I could do to get there and be gentle with them. It was all I could do to keep from wringing their neck. It was all I could do from cussing them out. You know? It was the grace of God that kept me from it. Now, Lord, I just come to You, Lord. I'm crying out to You, Lord. And that's what He said to do. And He said, well, as we do that, God's peace will come into our life. You want a, you want a family with peace? That's how you do it. You want a church with peace? That's how we do it. Okay. Finally, brethren. Then he talks about what to think about. I mean, really? This is getting right down. He's saying, listen, I'm going to tell you what to even think about when you get in these situations. Instead of sitting around thinking about them and just being consumed with this anger, consumed with these things about them, consumed with what they did wrong, this is what I want you to do. I want you to think about what's true. I want you to think about what's noble. I want you to think about what's just. I want you to think about things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are of good report. If there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now that's the secret. That's what he's saying. Think about them. Don't sit there and just be ate up on the inside and get ulcers. You know, you know get high blood pressure, get heart disease, you know, get all these things because you're just being bitterness has took hold in your life. These things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. In other words, the peace of God is with you. Now he's saying if you'll do these, this is another benefit. God will be with you. Not just his peace, but God himself will be with you in your life. Which means if God's with you, man, I mean, that's the best deal there is. I mean, every, he's gonna, everything's going to work because God's with you. And I believe, I told you this last week, um, this is what God wants to deliver people from this stuff. God wants to set people free from this stuff. God wants to teach us how to have family relationships based on what God says a family relationship should be, not what the world or our past teachings that were in era, you know, about church and church life and family, raising kids, all that stuff that's so full of man's doctrines, it's, it's insane. But when the Holy Spirit comes to you and starts telling you, no, that ain't right, 
That is not right. And that's really, you know, what happened to Becky and I. I was telling you about this hike we went on when God began to speak to us about some of our theology on church life and basically said, You're not that's not right. And he showed us that whole issue of being exclusive minded and going so far with it that it becomes a perverse thing. But thank God he did didn't show us just what was wrong. You know, he starts saying, This is what you do to make it right. This is how you live it right. It's right there in the Bible. And I want to encourage you this morning. You can get free of all the division that you have in your life with anybody. You can get free this morning. Any argument, any disagreements, any of it. You can get free if you will do one thing, if you will humble yourself this morning. I mean, humble yourself to the Lord. You don't have to go mess with that person unless the Lord tells you to. But if you humble yourself to the Lord and begin to say, Lord, I see that my heart is not what you said it should be. And I'm agreeing with you that I'm in error, Lord. And you'll see God do something in your life. It's just, just as simple as that. And I think there's people in here, you have so many, you're carrying burdens and stuff because of bad relationships. You got yourself yoked up in situations you shouldn't be yoked up into. And God is saying, no, I want to set you free from that. I want to liberate people. I want to liberate people. And I'll tell you this, we will never, ever, ever, ever be true disciples of the Lord, true followers of the Lord, until we begin to hear this stuff and put this stuff in practice. Because this guy, Epaphroditus, that I mentioned to you, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier. See, he was what I would call a true disciple of Christ because he laid his life down. And that's the, you know, that's the ultimate sign of a true disciple is a person who would lay their life down for the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? And, but he was a family person. He had family relationships. He had issues. He had difficulties. In fact, the church he was going back to was full of them. Paul was having to go, you know, got to get this fixed. Amen? So I just want to pray for you. Uh, you know, this is not an altar call thing, I don't think. I, think. I don't really want to do that. I want to just pray. Anybody in this room is suffering in the area of relationships. And golly, it's so hard not to. But I think God wants to set us free this morning and heal us this morning. I think, it, honestly, I think if we let the Lord, our lives can change over this stuff. I really do. I think your life can change. You can get free of things that have really hurt you in your life. Amen? So I'm going to, just going to pray us a pretty simple, simple prayer. Lord, I just know that... Um, Every one of us in this room at times have just struggled in the area of relationships. Lord, we've struggled in our own family. All of us have suffered with anger from time to time. Lord, we've all suffered with being hurt by others, Lord. People said stuff to us. People put us out. We were left out. We were rejected. Lord, every one of us in this room, Lord, have gone through that. I really believe that. And some of us have really been wounded over it, Lord. Some of us have really been hurt over it, Lord. Some of us have actually disconnected ourselves from our families over that thing, Lord. Some of us have disconnected from the church in the past, disconnected from treasured relationships, Lord, because of the hurts. And Lord, I believe you want to heal us, first of all, this morning of those hurts. 
And I'm asking you for every person in this room that that hurt is still alive in them, that you would heal, Lord. Just heal. I ask you right now, heal, Lord. Begin to release your healing, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray you convict this morning those of us who are carrying bitterness in our heart and carrying anger in our heart. Those of us who haven't been gentle, Lord. The ones of us who've been the ones who have inflicted hurt on others, Lord. I pray, God, right now in Jesus' name that you'd begin to convict us and show us that, Lord. Lord, that we might be people who our gentleness would be known. Our love would be known. Our concern, our, our compassion. Lord, it forbid us for thinking more highly of ourselves than, than we should, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for every family in this, this room this morning. There's family hurt. There's, there's division in family, Lord. I'm just asking you to heal it right now. I'm asking you to go into that family and, and heal and break off the curses that have been brought upon it because of the hurts and division, Lord. Lord, if there happen to be any business people in this room, Lord, who have had division in the business with brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ, and there's an awful division came that was not of you, Lord, we ask you, Father, to heal that and use that for your glory, Lord. And Lord, we just finally, Lord, we pray for this church, Lord Jesus. And Lord, all the hurts and all the things that's gone on here over the years, Lord, as, as, as in any church, Lord, but we are coming to you, confessing to you today, Lord, that, that we're no different from the Philippians, Lord. Lord, we just ask you to really impart to us through the Holy Spirit, Lord, because you're the only one who can bring true unity, Lord. We can't, we can't drum it up, Lord. We can't make it happen. But we're asking you for true unity of the Spirit, true unity. We have true purpose, true goals, and, and work together in the kingdom, Lord, that we would see that, Lord. And we'd be able to lay down all our division, all our hurts, all our anger, all our disappointments, Lord. Lord, we just ask you that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So we'll just ask Andy if he'll come out here and just do us a song, and we'll just be dismissed on worship. And, you know, you can worship the Lord here and allow the Lord to minister to you. Uh, we want to pray for the sick this morning. Any of those who are sick, or if you have a family member that's sick and they're not here and you would like to bring them to be you'd like to come and stand for them to be prayed for them we would like for you to do that also so let's let's lay hands on the, on the sick you can go right over there and somebody will pray for you and ask the Lord to touch you otherwise you're going to you can just worship some and let, let the Lord work in your life this is important